You are now listening to the Battle Ready Podcast. My name is Aaron McManus, and I'm here with my dad. How are you doing today? Erwin Raphael McManus, author, <laughs> speaker, pastor, thought provoker. Ping pong and pickleball Cultural champion. architect. <laughs> pickleball champion of the world. Ooh, chess crusher of... Smaller yeah, enemies. I, did, I lost a lot last week. <laughs> we are here today on Good Friday, and we are Jesus people. We like, we, we like, go, we, we go to church. Yeah, we, we, um, we love Jesus. Our whole lives are built on what he did for us and who he is. Yes. And we are excited to present an amazing Good Friday message. That will link in the bio, yeah? Oh, it's, absolutely. You cannot if, miss to, yeah. today's Good Friday gathering. We don't Mosaic. really plug Mosaic ever. Although just by being here... We do here, talk about it that we, we go there. We, you know, we, we love Mosaic. We're a part of Mosaic. Mosaic is our community. For sure. It's our home. Yeah. So if you've never gone to church, or maybe you go to church wherever... But you, don't ever blame Mosaic for what we say. <laughs> I've been already. Mosaic is not responsible for the content of the show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But you should check out the gathering. So it's in the link. Mm-hmm. It's in the bio. It's really cool. It'll be on the YouTube bio, iTunes bio. I don't know if we can. You can't do it for shop, for Spotify, can you? We can put links in the description. Okay, cool. Yeah, sweet. So we'll have it there. It's really beautiful. We went out to mm-hmm. Joshua Tree. It was so cold. I don't like Joshua Tree, but it, the footage came back beautiful. Oh, my. My, my. It was so amazing. Do so we play inspiring. some new MSC music on there too? On Easter? No. I don't think it's new. What's but the it is. what's the the Maverick City one? Ruins. Ugh. Mm. Oh, Who, they're amazing. Who sings in Maverick City? Who's like the main two people? Chandler Moore and Naomi Rains, I think her last name is. Mm. Oh, shout out to them. They're amazing. Chandler Moore. And Oof. So we Poppy. Ta- tapped into a little bit of that and Naomi used Rains. it for, for worship for Good Friday, and it was beautiful. Mm. Love the way MSC. I cried. We watched it this life. morning. I cried. Mm-hmm. I did. I cried. And then, should we talk about how I... <laughs> Never mind. Right. I don't want to talk about it. We just, like, we didn't have enough shots of Brooke. I already talked to Brooke. I'm so sorry. I sat down with Brooke. And I, I, I said it. I said, um, where's Brooke? <laughs> I don't usually give a lot of notes, but uh, I had we, that one note. <laughs> look, we shot it in the round... And we just forgot to take a full circle. But I will say this. You were in it a bit more. Wait, hold on. You were in it a bit more, but you looked at the camera. You gave you gave one of these. You were like... And I was like, for real? We got him. So, I can't help it. You kept looking at the camera, Brett. I know. <laughs> was it like the whole crew behind her? So she had the, like, the, her background was the, like... The, yeah, like we were... She was kind of... Yeah, we were shooting kind of through her... But that when they tried to get her on one of the edge, she literally every time. <laughs> so I blame myself. <laughs> you're pointing at Brooke. <laughs> Brooke, I'm just going to say that even if you looked at the camera once or twice, it's still not on you. <laughs> and, uh, Anyways, but, it was uh, amazing. But we could hear your voice and you added in your essence affected every note so we're so glad that you are part of msc thank you it's been a bit of a crazy week we meant to record this podcast on monday sometimes we'll try to get in on mondays that's right record it get it done so the team can kind of work through it and and 
and then release it on Fridays. We're doing once a week now. Mm -hmm. iTunes, YouTube, Spotify. But, you know, we, we have a busy little few months. And so we were like, okay, let's do once once a week. And then we were trying to film it on Monday. Monday got crazy. Tuesday got mm -hmm. crazy. We're here on, I don't even know what day it is. And, and it's just been a busy week. Mm -hmm. So the fact that we get to do this on this week is special. So if you yeah. if you've never been to church, never listened to a message from my dad, Erwin Raphael McManus, um, please check it out. I think you I think you'll you'll at least like the music. Yes, very much. And you'll and you'll definitely like the message. Well, I mean, I think that um, we talk about things that matter to everyone, that connect to every person's life, and and um, and hopefully, good this um, this particular message can help. Uh, translate why Jesus and what he did on the cross is so important for all of us and I'd love for you to take some time and it's a, not a, a long message it's probably under 25 minutes it's uh, it's 21 minutes yeah yeah and so it's it's um it's there's enough brevity there to hold you and and maybe take the time to listen to how Jesus might be able to change your life which would be amazing. It is amazing. It is amazing. And we're coming up into the Easter weekend. We have an exciting, exciting week, weekend planned, and, and I'm I, I'm glad we get to be a part of it. Uh, today on the podcast, though, last week we talked about, we had some questions. We did a yeah. Q&A. We left it out overnight, let it bake, let it simmer, and then we checked what was cooking in the morning, and we found some questions. <laughs> we addressed some questions. All right, so we're going to do some more, more questions. Okay, we got more. We didn't get anywhere near finished. We didn't get anywhere near finished, so we're going to go at it again. Okay. Did, did you give people a chance to ask more questions? Or? No. No? Okay. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> All right. So, Brian, Brooke, if, if we already answered it, will you help? Us just move nah, on. Just say previous, move yeah. on. Yeah, move, you know, and so it just tells us to move on. If and if you think we should deal with that question, you need to say we need to sit here a while. But <laughs> so I have to remind myself: there's topics and questions. So okay. if I just throw out like a topic, sure, maybe sure, you sure. give like thirty seconds. Sure, thirty Mi seconds. A minute. A minute. Impossible. 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 No, no. I mean, I. I I can't. I can't even form a sentence in a minute. <laughs> no. Did you watch Zack Snyder's director's cut of Justin, Justice League? Justin, only Justin the, League. Justice League. I've only watched the first thirty minutes of the four four hours. Plus hours. Yeah. See, no. I, I'm treating it as a miniseries. Uh, is it different? Is it much different? Well, he breaks it up into like chapters. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So it's like six. I'm three hours in. Did they? Did they change? Was it a completely different story? Uh, no, but they added in like cyborg, mm -hmm. they added in almost like an entire arc that was cut out of the Joss Whedon version. Oh. Imagine when you decide you're going to eliminate a character, you have to go back to every single scene where he's even visible sometimes mm. and well, eliminate them. I know, yeah. uh, Gal Gadot, Gal Gadot stunt woman, uh -huh. like a friend from London. Oh, and oh, you know her. I know her. Oh, okay. And it's crazy how like close they look, but she said when they were doing it that they were going back and shooting like crazy extra scenes for, for Wonder Woman because she, because I think they had shot Justice before Wonder Woman had released, then Wonder Woman released and then it was like exploded mm -hmm. and then they realized there wasn't enough Gal Gadot and Justice. And she really was pregnant while filming Wonder Woman? Yeah, crazy, huh? I I mean, as a guy, like... 
if I were pregnant, I would be sitting <laughs> and uh, laying on a sofa, demanding <laughs> I be fed and, uh, and not, not working on a film. That's amazing to me. Okay. okay. Thoughts on minimalism? Well, I was a part of uh, the minimalist um, Netflix documentary, and I love those guys. I think they're amazing. And we have some great conversations, actually. So I would, first of all, encourage you to go watch the documentary and listen to the things that I shared there. Um, I think that different people have different applications of minimalism, you know, and it's even so I talked with, you know, Josh about more um, how it really has more to do with, with your values and they're making a huge impact. I mean, they're having great influence and yeah. so their impact is not minimal, their impact is actually uh, being maximized. And they've shifted from an economy where they were uh, pursuing wealth and fame and success, or success, and from what they describe, and now to a more simple life. But interesting, they still have the same level of drive and ambition. They just shifted it from an, uh, a materialistic um, universe to uh, a universe where they're trying to influence people for good. And but I'm glad they are not minimal in their philosophy of influence. Mm. They're, uh, I mean, when you, no, yeah, it's a, it's a. Yeah. Well, you have 20 million people watching your Netflix you know, documentary, that's, that's not minimal. That's, yeah. that's significant. And so what I would say is make sure that you make the things that are least important minimal and make the things that are most important in your life essential and, and, and be ambitious in those things. How to yeah. stand out creatively in a world that's oversaturated with creators. Can I, can I take a little bit of a... Oh, go for it. ...at an attempt at this? Mm -hmm. How to stand out creatively in a world that's oversaturated with creators? I think I it feels a bit like a, a a movement where creators are kind of taking control of culture again, which feels incredible, and it and it and it shifts continuously from you know whether it's artists, painters, sculptures, fashion designers, animators, app creators. I think I think it, like your book, I think the whole I the ideology behind this this idea of the artist and soul of like everyone is creative is now being widely accepted by culture. Mm -hmm. And I love it. I think it's really good. How do you stand out? I think a bit of it we were talking about this because mm -hmm. something really gnarly happened and I, and I I I don't like talking about I don't like saying people's names because I don't like giving them more, but when it's culture, it's this thing. Like the, the rapper who did a did a, a shoe drop, mm -hmm. like rogue shoe drop, Nike's suing him now because it was like 666 and like Satan and all this. And he used human blood in See, the product. See, like, look, I don't, there's two things I don't really like talking about. I don't like talking about demon stories or like that kind of stuff because it's weird. And I don't really like talking about like pregnancy. <laughs> Those are the two things, and it's not because I don't like pregnant women. I love I love pregnant women, but for some reason my legs go numb. Like 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 uh, like Mariah just announced she's pregnant. This Mariah just announced she's pregnant. Yes, my daughter, your sister. Yeah, she's and, having a baby. And We're so excited. And whenever like I literally like, now like, even just whenever she talks about having a baby, like like I can't even like my legs feel weird. But we're we're having to be confidential to keep it on the down low because she didn't want us to make it public because there's you know there's a lot of things in the public world and and yeah, she's she trying to protect her privacy. And her and her husband wanted to be private and so we kept it confidential. But now we can talk about the fact that Mariah 
McManus Goss is having a baby. She's having a baby. I'm going to be an uncle. (laughs) Okay, but back to standing out in culture. How do you stand out? (laughs) Okay, the shoe drop is, for me, like a standout thirst. Like trying Mm -hmm. so hard to be dark, edgy, whatever. And it's just like, for me, I just see through it. I'm like, nah, this... This isn't the culture because the people I'm actually paying attention to that I I believe are like cultural creators, they're not even wasting their breath with this trash. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's okay is, to call that trash. That's trash. Yeah, that's not that's not art. That's not art. That's just like BS marketing. Yeah, that's dollars going into forcing you know local NBC and ABC News to talk about it. Yeah. You know, and I was like, my, we were, I went over to the house. <laughs> Your mom and, was. And mom brought it up. And he's yeah. like, I heard, I didn't I heard know this about rapper <laughs> is on a stripper pole in hell giving <laughs> Satan a lap dance. And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> I had to Google it. I was like, mom, you're more, you're more attuned to what's happening. <laughs> I had no idea. Because, but that dude's goofy, man. Like that guy's, he, nah. That, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a desperate need to be seen. That's like a Britney shaving her head bald thing. Like. That's just, it's just too, it's, it's too loud. It's like, at that point, you're just, you're, you're kind of a joke. Like it's, you know, and so I'm not, you know, there's obviously the spiritual ramifications. I think it's really dark Mm -hmm. and I don't really, that's not a vibe I want to bring into my soul or my hemisphere. So when I go, are you going to try to stand out creatively? You know, I think there are, you've really helped. Like there are things that are beneficial Mm -hmm. and, and you know, you could do all things, but all things are beneficial. There are things creatively in spaces creatively I'm unwilling to go to because I will let someone else go there because I don't want to take my soul there. Yeah, I, I don't think it's being judgy to say if you need Satan to make you famous, you're not in a good place. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Dog. And uh, my guy. You're you know? not my guy. You little nasty. You're not, you're not whatever the name is. Um but my thing is this is like I think it's it's being true to yourself and being authentic and finding a path and a line that that really makes sense and helps you tell the story with the best narrative that you possibly can. Mm. And, and it can change and develop over time, right? Like I think artists that dip into different spaces and do certain things, like if you're only your art is good, you're not trying hard enough. Mm-hmm. You need to have stuff that is actually bad to adjust, to work through, to have bring people in. Cause I think like anything, it's like when like we were watching, you know, we were talking about this, like, like fire needs oxygen to grow. Like mm-hmm. art needs people, needs influence, needs conversation. And so to be a standout creative, I think it's working really hard, staying dedicated to it, bringing people into the process and then, and then continually evolving through it and not being desperate, you know? Did you guys notice something? What? We do this podcast now for quite a few seasons and Aaron's always a little reticent to speak. Mm. He's always only asking questions. But the moment you start talking about creativity, the creative process, art, he, he I love he art. He goes off because this is the stuff he knows. Mm. Because what people don't know about Aaron McManus is he grew up hating the concept of artists. You're really gonna throw me on the bus right now. Okay. He always said he hated artists. He didn't believe people were creative, and. I now know it was self-loathing. It was. It was self-loathing. <laughs> it was self-loathing. And because you are such an artist. Yeah. You are such a designer. You have, you have one of the most brilliant 
Thank design you. minds I've ever seen. Thank you. And uh, and we just listened to a really good clip that we need to post. It was long. It was too long for Instagram, but maybe it could be a reels. <laughs> oh. Those are even shorter. <laughs> Wait, no, reels are shorter. Reels are shorter than IGTV is long. Yeah. Oh, I can't keep up. It's uh, yeah, it's exhausting. Tick battery TikTok. But I do want to note that he was telling me, he was telling me to keep my answers to no, 30 seconds. No, no, and He was telling went, me to keep my answers to five minutes. minutes. Um, I am so really I just sorry. want to just say the rules only apply in one direction. <laughs> you can't use my voice, my fun voice. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm mad. We're fighting. No, that was, that was a great. Um, hey, uh, can I just throw in that? Yeah. I don't believe any world can be oversaturated with creatives. I think that the world is better when we are all creating. Mm. Um, but let's be really honest. We're kind of oversaturated with a lot of bad. <laughs> There's a lot of bad. There's a lot, there's a lot, you know, it, it's a lot of bad art, a lot of bad music, a lot of bad product. And we, we were probably oversaturated with everyone trying to do what only a few can do at a world-class level. Mm-hmm. But... I don't hate it. I just think it's great that everyone gets to create and everyone's putting things out. The way to stand out is just to bring a unique perspective and be better. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Just good. What do we got? What else we got? Let's see. You got to fill us in your skincare routine. <laughs> just exfoliate a lot. Exfoliate frequently. Use a proper moisturizer. And Make sure be, when you're and in the sun. And be half Latin. And be half Latin. <laughs> The jeans are good. No. <laughs> yeah, which one of us needs sunscreen when we go outside? <laughs> Brian, you don't need sunscreen. You need an umbrella. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, you need a hazmat suit, bro. <laughs> I, need in, I need inside. I need inside when I go outside. Yeah, you're, you're only safe in the sun when you're inside. <laughs> I get sunburned on long car rides. <laughs> are, are you? Are you? Uh, yeah, yeah. No. Are you Irish? <laughs> Irish, English, German. Yeah. Okay. I thought so. I thought so. Well, the big three whites. The big three. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> oh, <I'm> sorry. <laughs> if you're listening to this and you're so over our laughing, I'm sorry. It's just a good day. How to unify. No, we went to that one last time. Why are so many people intoxicated by Calvinism? I just think that um, people gravitate toward predictability. They gravitate toward certainty. And in a world where there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of chaos, um, fear moves people toward dogma. Mm. Yeah. But why is it spread? So it feels like every generation has this spread of Calvinism that's like, Quite well, Calvinism like it, it. It's not popular in Africa. It's not popular in China. It's not popular in India. So why is it? Popular it's not popular in, in South America. Why is it popular in Portland? It's uh, it's it's a very Western white worldview. Yikes! And um, well, and, and I think a lot of times people don't realize it's really interesting to me when people are real woke about like culture, mm-hmm. and then they're Calvinists. Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> and, I'm like, and I'm going, you have the most unwoke worldview in the world in terms of that. It's a very Aryan worldview. It is. It's a very, very, you know, um, yeah, elitist mindset. Should rich people... Brooke was going to say something. Do you think most people, especially younger generations, realize they're Calvinist? 
No, I think that they've been taught that as this is what biblical Christianity is. And so they may not even know that they're Calvinists in the purest sense, but I think most of them are aware of the fact that um, John Calvin is the primary influencer and they're aware that they're Reformed because it's heralded. It's like they're, it's, it's something that you know, you're is there, proud of. Is there a connection between Calvinism and socialism? Just like fundamentally, like maybe not necessarily like publicly or over the top, but subconsciously? No, I, I wouldn't say th- that. Um, no, I'm just curious. I'm just asking. Yeah, I'm yeah. not trying to lead anywhere. Yeah, no, I, I think that there's some similarities, but they're not interconnected, no. Should rich people pay for everything via Kevin Pena in the booth? Absolutely not. I have, uh, I know, I have a lot of friends who are incredibly wealthy. And one of the things I make sure is that I often buy dinner mm-hmm. because I don't want them to think that I expect them just because they are more affluent than me, have more money than me, to be morally obligated to take care of me. And I, I think sometimes the greatest gift you can give a person who's rich is to actually pay for the meal, pay for the, the time together, and it, it has a huge impact on their life. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. Okay. He, he, he was bringing this up, and he actually brought it up last week when we did the questions, and, and it's, I'm glad he's texting us. Kevin's in the booth with, with um, Brooke and, and, um, and um, Sunburn. Um, <laughs> the, the Kylie Jenner example is interesting, right? There's a, there was a moment, I think it was like two weeks ago, mm. where essentially she posted about, like posted like a GoFundMe, I think for like an old, maybe a makeup artist or hair stylist that was, had worked with her before. Mm. There was like some loose connection and she posted about like, I think he got hurt, he got thrown from a car. What was he doing? Oh. Do we know? He was just in a car accident. I think he okay. was hit. No, he got like, no, he got, no, the, the, at least... Maybe I read something crazy, but I thought he got thrown from the car. Oh. That's the thing I read. It doesn't matter how. Okay. He apparently got hurt. Mm-hmm. So she posted a GoFundMe link to the like, hey, help him fund for medical treatment, X, Y, Z. People were destroying her saying, "Why aren't you're like a billionaire, aren't you? Why don't yeah. you pay for the 60 grand or whatever it is? And they like really publicly shamed her. Am I telling the story correctly for the most part? And then... And and then she came out and had to apologize, basically being like telling the story, like, "Hey, I actually, I saw that they needed five thousand more. I, I gave the five thousand, but I still posted about it because I cared about it. So, is she morally responsible or even culturally responsible to pay for everything because she's rich? Is it irresponsible that she didn't? There's like different angles, right? Mm-hmm. Can I think? Can I say mine and then you take us sure. to school? I think it's ridiculous to expect wealthy people to take care of you, mm-hmm. right? I think it's different if they had reached out and asked for help. Mm-hmm. I think as a, as a the human aspect, projecting that she hadn't been generous yet mm-hmm. is more of a reflection of where we're at as a society, right? Because right? I would never go, well, Kylie should just pay for it. Mm-hmm. I'd go, it's actually really cool. She's highlighting something very human, mm-hmm. Right. And you're like, like, and even just removing your going, she's not Kylie Jenner, the like the icon. She's just also Kylie Jenner's the the person. Yeah. Going, hey, this is a real thing. Does she get to be normal? Right. Yeah. Well, remember, as they say, no good deed goes unpunished. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I, I think that. What are your if, thoughts? Uh, if it, it had been, first of all, I, people who aren't generous assume you're not generous. 
So the most of the attacks on her were probably by people who are not generous anyway. And people who are generous assume other people are generous. Yeah. So what I would have assumed is that she probably already paid for a lot of stuff. Yeah. And then she cared about them and wanted to express as, as an act of concern for them that she's telling the world and they can give the money too. Yeah. Because no matter how much she could give, they could probably certainly use more. Right. And so I kind of, I, I, one, I kind of like the fact that she did it because it told me, it tells me she cares about this person that she shouldn't necessarily be expected to care about. Yeah. And I think she came out and was like, hey, he's not my makeup artist anymore. We're yeah. not even really that close. We're not even friends. What's crazy is he asked for 10,000 on the GoFundMe. His family did. She put 5,000 to reach 10. And as soon as she shared it, they increased the goal of the GoFundMe by like 10 times. And that's when people are like, why would you only give this small amount of money? She thought that she'd maxed out mm -hmm. what they needed. And it's just so, like, that to me is... Well, I don't know or have any thoughts about um, Kylie. Yeah, yeah, I don't know her. No. But um, well done. Yeah. Yeah, and don't let people make you feel bad because you did good and they, they don't want to do good. They just want to judge you for the good you did. Yeah. Uh, also, like, yeah. there's going to be an interesting day when people who criticize have to apologize for criticizing. Like, we're hopefully so, like, culture at some point gets to a place where it's, like, people who talk trash about other people publicly and, like, berate the giants have to go back and apologize if they want to continue to participate <laughs> in cultural, societal moments. Yeah, they, I don't they think... say, be, be careful not to burn bridges you have to walk back across. <laughs> yeah, which <laughs> yeah, is crazy because, yeah. yeah, I don't know. All right, but, go on. Um, said relationships talk about dating y'all promised <laughs> so are you dating no i'm good yeah I, i'm good you know well, even if you are you're private i'm private and and which, i think it, what which is a good thing give us some relationship give us give the people the beautiful people of bad already a relationship thing okay here's here's my first thing yes sir um look for friends not for husbands or wives hmm. Your, your, your husband or your wife is going to come out of a friendship. And if you have a friendship, a marriage will last for a lifetime. If you have a romance, your marriage will be fragile. And there is a difference. The best thing in the world is to have a romance that comes out of a friendship. And um, look for things like, do you like hanging out? <laughs> You do like spending time together. Do you yeah. do you, do you like talking? Uh, you know, do you laugh? Yeah. Um, does time fly? <laughs> you know, those are. I, I think sometimes we're so um, formed by all the movies about romance that we forget that really the best relationships come out of the everyday stuff where you're just enjoying life together. So true. Okay, I have, an, I, have an, I have another one. I think that's such a great response, by okay. the way. Uh, fashion culture in church. This is a topic suggestion. Well, well I, I think it's interesting that we act like there hasn't been a fashion culture in church for 2,000 years. <laughs> right, but, yeah. Uh, I mean, the Catholic Church took on fashion to a whole different level. <laughs> I mean, they robed up. They brought the robes out. And the Ethan Orthodox, they got those hats, Boom. you know, multicolor. You got stained glass in buildings, these gorgeous cathedrals. The fashion was not only on what they wore, but 
the buildings they worked in and worshipped in. Yeah. So don't act like fashion and church is a new thing. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and, um, and it gave us a generation of architecture. Yeah, and I, I'm so grateful that the church yeah. was interested in beauty because that became the incubator of people like Raphael and Michelangelo and Mozart. And, uh, and so much of the artistry that came out of the Western world was born out of the fact that the church saw beauty as interconnected to the sacred. Yeah, I think this the the hang up mm-hmm. on fashion and church culture or culture mm-hmm. in general is I think an expression of this non-uniformity, right? Like yeah. the Catholic Church, did I say it wrong? I said it wrong. Yeah, no, you said it right. It's kind of this anti it's really like the kind of the anti Catholic Church or even anti Presbyterian and not like not 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 in their belief systems but just culturally of we all have to wear the same thing to be identified yeah. as this way. This is only a conversation because pastors are no longer wearing suits, <laughs> right? And, uh, and before that they were wearing robes. Yeah, and I'm going. Uh, look, I, that was to me that was just bad fashion. <laughs> you know, for pastors to be wearing but, robes, and then and then it evolves. Who, you were telling yeah. me about someone who was the guy who kind of changed uh, went going from robes to suits. Oh, no, uh, D.L. Moody actually started wearing suits. No one wore suits until D.L. Moody. And, uh, and he became so popular. And by the way, the most influential speakers in the Christian world always influenced fashion. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, because other people wanted to dress like them. I mean, because they, they, were, they, were, they admired them. They became heroes. Yes. And so D.L. Moody decided to wear a suit. He was a rebel. And, but by the time I came around, I rebelled by not wearing a suit. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so I think a bit of it is like, I think it, there's a, there's a, a, a beauty in people's uniqueness and yeah. like in expressing that in the church, people get caught up on anything and everything. So just maybe get caught up less, yeah. worry about other people with the way they're dressing less. Yeah, and stop trying to make people live under your criteria. Yes. And, you know, it's just absurd. Yeah, and I think when people are like, expect people to dress a certain way, Mm -hmm. you you become like the machine. You've become like the Borg. You're the Borg, yeah. You need everyone to act a certain way, to to be a certain way, to make you feel comfortable. Yeah, Yeah, has it ever occurred to you that, that maybe the church was led by managers and administrators Managers and administrators. And, administrators. Yeah. and so they dressed in really boring and mundane ways. Yeah. And the moment the church started drawing creatives and artists and innovators and pioneers and entrepreneurs, they started d- dressing the way that actually matched who they were. And you don't, it's not how they dress that's bothering you. You don't like them. Hmm. And you probably don't like them because you probably don't like yourself. You know, so well, we're going to let that just simmer. How much does it matter if something is true or not? <laughs> it matters a lot. It matters a lot. <laughs> Elliot on Instagram asks, hey, would be so interested to hear from, from you guys your thoughts on Eckhart Tolle's book, The Power <laughs> of Now. If either of you have read it, that is. Loving this podcast. I'm in Oz. It comes out on Saturdays for us. So listen to it in the sauna. Elliot getting his steam on. His dry heat. <laughs> <laughs> Brooke, you've read it, right? I haven't. You read everything. That says it all. <laughs> this is the thing. I can't speak well on this book because I tried to read it a few times and 
did not enjoy it. Yeah, from a writing perspective, I think he's really a terrible writer. Basura. And uh, and he's not a cogent, coherent thinker. No, I, I kind of... I, I'm actually surprised that Oprah made him so popular. Yeah, I can... I can um, yeah, no, I know. I, Oprah, I like Oprah. So, mm-hmm. But Oprah, you know, she, she was having... She has book club for like 52 weeks a year, right? Or like... 12 months a year. She made a lot of things famous. Not all of them were great things. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really like the book. It, it kind of feels like when, like those accounts on Instagram that just post quotes, mm-hmm. it feels like each page is just kind of based on like something that he knows will sell to young people in Western modern culture. Yeah. I, I, I mean, want Eastern philosophies kind of thing. Yeah. It feels like the stuff I used to write in my freshman year of college in philosophy. And uh, when I was trying to create an incoherent um, theory of the universe. Yeah. So <laughs> and, uh, so I'm just, you're asking me, I'm telling you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what I would say is. But why? Why? Like, I think maybe why? Because I know we both haven't finished the book, but, but a bit of it, it felt, it felt redundant. It felt repetitive. It didn't, feel, it didn't feel new. It felt like a hijacking of old thought. Or other people's thoughts. Yeah, it's kind of integration of Buddhism and other kind of more. Um, Universalist. New Age kind of, yeah. you know, philosophy. And, and um, it doesn't mean that there cannot be isolated insights that are true and helpful. Mm-hmm. Let me be clear. Like, I, I'm sure throughout the book, there are, there are like little statements that are incredibly helpful. It's that when you're trying to understand a person's cohesive view of reality, that's where I think you end up um, at a, at a, in, a, in a vacuum so this through is, his writing. This is my question. Yeah. And and he's and I've listened to him in interviews and it's tough. it's pretty tough. Yeah. yeah. What is it about people who should never impact worldview end up impacting worldview? What is that? It shows you there's a desperate vacuum, and that I think what was happening. But really powerful people were platforming his thought. Yes. Environment. Well, I mean, I think some of it is because we were coming out of an era where the dominant view of reality was Christianity. And it was rigid. And it was, yeah, and, and if you look at um, the, the stream of Christianity for the last hundred years, it was so focused on what you should not do. It was all completely focused on sin, guilt, and shame. And I'll just say that as bad as I think Eckhart Tolle's writing is, it's not as bad as a world where all you talk about is sin and guilt and shame. And the devil. Yeah. Or just speaking in tongues. Yeah. And, uh, and so then when the whole universe is about, you know, you're this sinful, corrupt, depraved human being who cannot do good, and your shame and guilt needs to lead you simply to uh, like this cathartic experience of giving your life to Jesus so you can have your sins forgiven. I see, I actually believe in the reality of coming to Jesus, asking for forgiveness and receiving the forgiveness of your sins. So I'm not diminishing that. Yes, What I am saying is that it doesn't teach you how to live. Or really think. Yeah. And Eckhart Tolle was saying, here's the importance of the now, and here's how you can live this moment fully. 
And Christianity left a massive vacuum because it was not teaching people how to live and be fully alive. Well, it became very much a culture, and I still think there's huge remnants of this. Um, well, we're going to go to heaven, so it's fine. Yes. Well, you've, you're going to go to heaven now, so everything's fine. Yeah, it seemed like Christianity had no interest in helping you live your life in this world. Yeah. It was about give your life to Jesus, hold on, survive, suck it up, you die, and you get to go to heaven. Yeah. Um, that is probably one of the most uninteresting, unattractive narratives I've ever heard. So if you think I'm hard on Eckhart Tolle, you should hear me talk about Christianity. Yeah. You know? We <laughs> just don't bring it up because we would like friends. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I, but I think what's so sad is that Jesus got lost in it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because Jesus is compelling. Well, it's interesting that culture has gone from what you shouldn't do to now look at what they did. And it's now this very, it's gone from a very like legalistic to a very voyeuristic perspective mm -hmm. of we love dragging people through the mud. There's tons of questions on here about different speakers, different prolific figures over the last couple of years who've now gotten, you know, outed as, as, sinners or broken people or struggling through certain things. And it and it's always very interesting to me that we live in a culture that really wants to focus on that continuously. Yeah. And it, it doesn't mean that it's not a, something to talk about, but, you know, even some questions are like, do you call yourself a Christian after the way that figures in public eye have been, you know, falling or actually like, nah, like they didn't, they weren't why I called myself a Christian. Right, and I don't really call myself a Christian in general. I'm like, hey, I believe in Jesus. Yeah, but but here's right? the funny thing. All right, so I don't uh, let other people label my experience. Right. So, um, and I worked for some of them. <laughs> I mean, if we name someone, we can go. All right, so that person. Oh, sorry. Yeah, had an affair as a pastor. So now I should no longer a be a pastor, and b I should not even be a Christian. But Woody Allen. Marries his, his daughter? foster daughter. Yikes. Weird. And weird has been accused pretty, yeah. you know, convincingly for having molested his other daughter. No, I didn't know that. I don't know this, the whole story. Yeah. But, but, and, but the whole industry backs him and still keeps him as an icon and, and, gives him accolades as one of the greatest filmmakers in history. Now, what is fascinating to me is that no one says, look what Woody Allen did. You should never become a filmmaker. Or watch movies ever You day. should never be a director. Mm -hmm. You should never go to the movies again. It's only when it has to do with Christianity or the church that a person says, somebody messed up. So everyone who's connected to it is now tainted and invalidated because of it. I'm going, no, whatever happened with Woody Allen, that's Woody Allen. That doesn't, that doesn't taint Steven Spielberg. That doesn't, that doesn't in, in, uh, in any way affect who, who Martin Scorsese is. And it, and it, frankly, doesn't even diminish the art of filmmaking. Yeah. And it, it does say a lot about the culture of Hollywood that... Um, has historically overlooked horrific, horrific um, actions by their heroes. Right. And, but even in the worst of those cases, 
Like when you look at it, like I don't want to go too deep into it. We're no, no, deep. I don't want to go that deep. Okay, I just want to. Uh, I just wanted to answer it. Sorry, yeah. it makes you mad. No, I know it makes you mad, but yeah. because I still think like, yeah, Woody Allen's weird, dude. No, what I'm don't saying, see his movies, and maybe don't make them anymore. Yeah, but what but, I'm what I'm saying is, if a plumber messes up, you don't give up on plumbers. But you don't stop using the bathroom. Yeah, if if a doctor does something immoral, you don't give up on doctors. So just because a pastor. Makes a mistake or 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 does something horrifically wrong, it doesn't invalidate the role of pastors. It doesn't validate the role of your faith. It doesn't mean that Jesus isn't real. It means humans are imperfect, and in yeah. every arena of life, we're going to have people who let us down. I mean, the question, and I've asked this for years, and I think, yeah. you know, has been the reality is that those guys didn't decide my faith for me. Yeah, right. They they can't undo my mistakes they can't you know you know what i mean yeah. like they can't they can't undo their mistakes that you have to live with it but the reality is that i didn't base my faith on on them mm-hmm. or their faith i based it on the fact that at the time they helped me get closer to jesus and the craziest thing is that Je- mm-hmm. i have to you have to reconcile that jesus still used these people yes to do good we invalidate good by any brokenness and it's actually the parrot it is actually the antithesis of how Jesus works. Right. And that's why I use the other more extreme metaphor because before I became a follower of Jesus, one of the last festivals I went to was a Woody Allen film festival. So mm-hmm. that's why it's very personal to me. And I loved the films. I thought he was a genius. I thought he was brilliant. This is all before everything came right, out. Right, but he, does it does it <clears throat> negate that he was still brilliant? No, and this is where the tension is. See, this is where everyone feels tormented because do you acknowledge the great art and then and and the um the not great person? And and so the reality is that I know this is hard, even if you're listening on a spiritual level. A pastor who's living a life he should not be living can actually still do something that makes your life better. And it's, you'll have to live with the tension all your life because Jesus never said that people are going to be perfect. In fact, yeah. he said he came because we were not perfect. And Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's a great example because I've, yeah. I've worked for people that have, you know, that have, that have gone through some really heavy things and yeah. now are no longer around. And they, they were saying that was repeated was, it's not me, it's God. Like, you look at the success, it's not me, it's God. And I'm like, hey, whether they said it narcissistically or humbly, <laughs> you look at what they did and it was yeah. huge. Yeah. And it was God using that person and all the people around them mm-hmm. to build something. And I imagine there was hundreds of opportunities to, to um, become better. Yeah, you know. And then it and it didn't. And then it and then it changed. And that thing might be, you know, dead now. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that 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 the the, the goodness is dead. Yeah. And we want to make everyone black and white. And and the reality is, is a lot of people that I've done in my lifetime who made some terrible mistakes, but I also know they did a lot of good. Yeah. And I'm not going to invalidate those people and saying, oh, no, everything they did was wrong, or everything they did was bad, or it didn't count because they were this. I'm going, nah, it's real life. Unfortunately, people let us down. They're imperfect. They mess up. They make mistakes. Yes, they sin. And uh, well, I think it's interesting because it carries over to even yeah. like a really... I didn't mean to cut you off. No. No, finish your sentence. Yeah. It was really and, good. Uh, and yet... If they were generous to you or kind to you or helped you along the way, that was still real. 
I think it, it, it carries over to modern culture, right? Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of debate about George Floyd, right? And yeah. I don't even know the police officer's name. What's his name? Derek Chauvin. Derek Chauvin. He's on trail right now, right? Yes. Yeah. But there's a huge conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, there was conversation of mm-hmm. his, I think his knee was on his neck for eight and a half minutes. Yeah. Almost Something nine. Something like nine. Almost nine like, like crazy amount of yeah. time. In, inappropriate, misconduct, yeah. abuse. That's just inhumane, right? Right. And then George Floyd passes, right? Mm-hmm. In, in in the moments really after or during. And, and then the the autopsy comes out. He was on drugs. He was high. He was had alcohol or fentanyl, whatever it was. And then it, it was this, well, but this is why he did it. This is why the cop did it. This is why it was like it became this whole like let's destroy the character of a of a person who is deceased and passed and was murdered yeah and then they be- went back into his history and started pulling out all the other things he had done yeah, wrong and his he's record, done this record, and he's done this and i'm like no no the, we've seen the video you see what happens yeah and it was interesting because a lot of people will go no don't you know all this about george floyd you shouldn't make him a hero we're not making him a hero he was a victim yeah, yeah, we're and, saying uh, he shouldn't have died sh- in that right. situation. It didn't matter what he ever did in his life, he should not have died that way. And period. Period. And There's and no question. But you're right. That's exactly what people do. People they, yes. They they start adding information or adding to the story to try to invalidate the reality of this moment. Yeah. And and it, the flip side's true as well. Where you know there there were people in your life who um, later made some terrible choices. Yeah. But. While they were in your life, they also did some good things. They did a lot of good things. Yeah. And I watched a lot of good things. And I was a, yeah. I'm, I'm a product of some of the good and some of the bad. Yeah. You know? And I think you have to wrestle. You wrestle with it. But I don't let it take over my faith or my humanity. or, or the, like, I, the reality is that if, if we live in a culture now where you're able to rewind mm-hmm. bad moments and watch them again and again and again and let hate fuel your, your, your opinion of and vision of people, perception yeah. of people... The, re- the reality for me is is that I I think the, the thing that's helped the most is when people criticize me or say things about me, I am now choosing to take it and go, okay, there's most of it's untrue. There's always going to be truth to some things or, or some things are just really false, but but going, how do I grow no matter what? Right? Mm-hmm. How do I how do I become better no matter what? How do I not let my faith become affected? How do I not let my mental health become affected? How do I just never talk badly about people ever? You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. how do I just never let myself be in a place where I'm I'm angry or or mean or like, you know, and it's, it's a daily battle. There are mm-hmm. things, right? But it's like how it's helped me become more introspective about going, okay, there's a checklist of things you gotta work on each day. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's good, and maybe it takes all these people being outed to 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 fix things. But I, but I also just don't like that either because I think it's a really unhealthy culture, mm-hmm. the TMZ culture yeah. that Christianity has kind of adopted. Yeah, yeah, you I know? agree. All right, other questions? Other questions? Yeah, I don't know. We're we're kind of towards the end. Um, <laughs> one of our friends, and I'm not gonna say who, mm-hmm. but one of our friends, um, asked to talk about us to talk about fear, and I thought you mm-hmm. talked about it. In, in a meeting we were just in, and mm-hmm. I thought it was brilliant. Do you, mm-hmm. Could you talk a little bit about fear, maybe fear in culture right now, fear in society, fear in our world, fear in our day-to-day lives, mm-hmm. you know, being a parent, being single, just different aspects? Could you just maybe close us out on that? Where, Yeah, last night I, I, uh, I had uh, nightmares, and um, uh, but they, they were what I call like, you know, like grade D nightmares, like my grade A nightmares, 
I have them when I'm awake, <laughs> you yeah. know, and yeah. this was just a regular, like normal person nightmare, not my normal or McManus nightmares. But um, in my nightmare, I was in this murky water, but I knew there were crocodiles in there. So I kept trying to lift my legs. I literally kept lifting my legs out of bed because <laughs> I, I didn't want to get eaten by yeah. the crocodiles. Yeah. And, uh, and it wasn't what was terrifying me. It uh, wasn't the crocodiles. It was that I couldn't see. Mm. And I think most of us think we're afraid of crocodiles, but we're actually afraid of murky water. Mm. And it's because we can't see clearly. And fear is usually rooted in our deep sense of uncertainty the anxiety of the unknown, the anxiety of that which is out of our control. Yeah. And, and, I, and, and, and so one of the things I tried to highlight is that whether it's intentional or unintentional, it doesn't matter. It, it actually has happened. While CNN and, uh, and every network, and I mentioned CNN because that was one I was watching the most, kept a daily count of everyone who's dying of COVID. Mm. It actually created a, a cultural consciousness of death. And every year we have just under 3 million people die. And if every day on the news we had a count of every single person who was dying, we would have a culture of fear. We do kind of yeah, right have, now. We do have a culture of fear. We just came out of the last year. It accelerated even more. Yeah. And um, we don't even pay attention to the fact that twice as many people died of cancer than they died of anything related to COVID or twice as many people died of heart disease than any, anything related to COVID. Yeah. And, and because it's not in our, it's almost like not in our cultural consciousness. So um, a year ago, there were so many cultural narratives about, hey, obesity is not a problem. It's okay to be obese. It's stop. Is that a thing? It was. And, um, and because it felt like it was being judgmental about obesity. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, but yeah, now we know tough. obesity left you incredibly vulnerable to an unexpected virus. And, it, and, and obesity was a huge part of the dynamic of people who actually uh, had a fatal reaction to COVID and, um, or other um, you know, life-threatening conditions. And, and, and the reality is that we've created a culture by keeping account of deaths every day, you know, 15,000 people dead from COVID, 20,000. We just watched every day the numbers grow. And, we, and and now we're kind of at the end of the year. We can look back at 2020. We know that about 3.3 and a half million Americans died last year, but we don't have that count. We didn't watch that count every day. We know that about 375,000 people now died, died of of COVID-related or, or COVID-affected diseases, which means that the dominant number of people who died didn't die of COVID alone. They died of COVID plus something. Plus something else, like a pre-existing condition. Yeah, yeah. And, the, uh, and the age group that was most affected was those who are 85 and older. Right, right. But yeah, I, I but just... I want to go... I want to stay on fear. Yeah, no, I no, go too much into like... I, I want to do the, this the, is because um, you're more likely, like you, at, you know, yeah. at your age... To die of getting hit by a car, yeah, or to die of getting eaten by a shark while you're don't say surfing, or yeah, no, okay, you know, not not trying to create a scenario of the future. And that's about. the issue with the murky water situation, because I was like, I like murky waters because I know it's down there; they're there. I don't, <laughs> I don't want, want to, to see. always see them. 
What, what I'm saying is that um, we don't know what we're going to die yeah. of or how or when. Yeah. And so we have to live almost with this sense of, of self-determined delusion that we're going to live every day. You know, it's almost like death has to surprise us. Mm-hmm. We've now lived in over a year where we're being told every day we're going to die mm-hmm. or we're going to kill someone. Mm-hmm. And that has created a culture of fear that is going to be harder for us to transcend than the quarantine or the pandemic. And as I interact and interview people, um, I, I have deep concern that the psychological fragility of American culture is going to leave a generation traumatized and um, virtually incapable of actualizing their full potential and the life that they're created to live. Yeah. And so I think you need to start fighting fear now. How, how do you combat fear? Because I do feel like Right, there's real fear, right? Yeah. There's real fear about something that's that's real in the moment, present danger, right? Absolutely. And then there's fear where it it it's it feels like the danger is isn't as imminent. Mm-hmm. It's obscure, right? Or it's yeah. mental, or yeah. it's or it's maybe even just a projection of our own insecurities or anxieties, or mm-hmm. or you know, it's it's the it's the it's the the internal pulling of facts and comments and phrases mm-hmm. and scrolling and news and yeah. masks and, you know, not just to keep it in COVID, but all of the different information that we're scattered, not really understanding because we're continually hearing different things going, the lack of certainty has brought fear into my life. How do we address that? Because it feels like it's an opponent that you can't keep in front of you. Yeah. It's just continually dancing around you. Oh, wow. That's a very good image. And... Um, I think that the first thing you have to do is to acknowledge it and to recognize that you're grappling with a level of fear that you maybe have not experienced in the past. Mm. I, I think if you ignore it or pretend it's not there, you can't really address it. So I think the first thing you just got to like acknowledge it. And if you have people in your life, you got to talk about it. You got to go, hey, you feeling a little afraid? It's kind of weird. I, I didn't think I'd be afraid, but I'm in a room without masks and now I'm nervous or whatever you're feeling. Um, I have a, a person in my life who works at um, an Apple store. And the first day they all went back to work, the, uh, the most like analytic, um, rational, introverted person started telling everyone, yeah, everyone, you, you get, wear your mask right. Make sure you keep me six feet apart. There's too many people in this room. We've um, exceeded the limit. And eventually they had a psychological breakdown, um, became aggressive, yelling, screaming, physical, yeah. and security had to carry uh, them out of their job. It's heartbreaking. And, um, and, and by the way, this, and I, I know that the shootings in Atlanta um, have, a, have had a huge, like a wake-up call to... Uh, address like Asian violence. To the Asian violence. Yeah. Uh, and then the shooting, in, I think, in Colorado, um, I think the shooter was Syrian or in, of Syrian ethnicity, but no one is saying it's a Syrian issue. And, and the reason I'm addressing this is because I actually think these murders, while there probably was like Asian um, hate involved or there was some other things happening in, in Colorado, I actually think it's connected to what I would call hypervigilance. And that we have a uh, that it, it's it's an incubator of fear. Yeah. 
When people are afraid, they become hypervigilant. They think there's danger everywhere. They begin projecting danger all around them, and they're more prone toward violence. Mm -hmm. And I think that we're in danger right now of having outbursts of violence throughout our country because people are so overwhelmed by fear that their fear response is violence, is to attack. And, and, and so I, I think we have to address this issue. This question is so important. Acknowledge your fear. Talk to friends about feeling afraid. And, and then you need to start taking small steps into your freedom. Mm. And like if you're, not, if you're suddenly realizing, wow, I'm struggling with social anxiety because I haven't been around people for a year, we'll start with one or two people but make sure you start socializing. Mm -hmm. You have to work your way into a future that gives you the freedoms that you've lost psychologically. It's so, so important. And by the way, this is where the scriptures can be so important in your life because fear becomes a mindset through which you see the world and you need to begin to replace that fear with the um, foundation of faith. Yeah. You need to begin to ask God to help you with courage. So I maybe you should if you're if you're listening to this and you're a Christian, you know, get the U version, you know, Bible and do a word study on just the word courage, and start um, cutting and pasting all these verses on courage. And every day, just read one of the verses on courage and let that seep into your soul every day, because you um, you, you know you have self talk whether you realize it or not. Yeah. Like fear is reinforced with self talk. Yeah. And so what you need now is you need so you need another self talking to you and you need God talking to you, speaking courage into your life, speaking fear out of your life, uh, calling you to, to live a life that's bold and, and to step into the freedom that you're created to live. So I would say this is where the Bible can become so important in your life to restructuring your thoughts. And I, I think, you know, we, we talk about obesity or being healthy. I think, mm -hmm. you know, there's obviously so much that goes into that. Yeah. And I'm not saying that with any judgment. I'm, that's not what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, but I'm, but there's a but there's but there are there are really complicated aspects of obesity and really simple aspects of things. Like yeah. I think with handling fear, there's some really complicated aspects of it yeah. where you can struggle with mental health. You can struggle sure. with the the anxiety aspect, similar to obesity, I think in that way. Yeah. But there's some simple things you can do, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you eat healthier and move, mm -hmm. th then you will just start to be healthy. Yeah. But I think with with when it comes to like fear and your intake it's like really are you are things around you that you're listening to watching and observing and paying attention to or letting into your your mind mm -hmm. and your soul are they negative yeah right or are they positive mm -hmm. and you know like i sometimes you know sometimes i i have to just turn things off whether it's people whether it's relationships or 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 the news or media you know there's an app called citizen where everything that bad that's happening yeah. around you it posts about it, and and sometimes it's interesting, and sometimes it's exhausting. Yeah. It's like, what are you letting into your mind will definitely influence how you think, right? Yeah. And so sometimes I think we have to be a bit more guardians of our our minds and souls. Yeah, I have so many people that just stopped watching the news. Yeah. And I think uh, your mom was telling me like two days ago, the new director of the CDC was on television, and she was crying, talking about how afraid she was of the coming like apocalyptic future the virus and 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 like, that that is not let that woman be the spokesperson for you, you can't lead like that no you, you know you have to you know listen to the data and trust the science but you also have to bring hope 
and speak with courage and with intention. And uh, it, because panic does spread like a virus. Yes. And we do not want a culture of panic and fear. And if you're listening to this right now um, and you're afraid, I, I think you need to realize that fear is toxic and it will make you sick. It will make you unhealthy. And you need to begin to work that fear out. And I like what you said about doing small things like eating healthy and walking. It's the same with, with fear, taking small steps of courage by serving others. Or, you know, there are other people who Having need positive us. inputs. Yeah. Right. That's why I love what, what Chad uh, broke off from our team has yes. been leading. And they, they, need to get him on here. they provided hundreds and hundreds of kids uh, with shoes. brand new shoes and yeah. been feeding hundreds of kids. In fact, let's, let's have hundreds of families. Let's have Chad at one of our coming shows. We need to. Because yeah. Mosaic, well, we have Mosaic Global and then there's like a Mosaic Local. Um, <laughs> they, they really take care of our city and it's really yeah. amazing. They, they're feeding 300 families this last Saturday mm -hmm. for a week, right? Like they don't just feed them one meal. They feed them like three for meals a whole for a whole week. week. Yeah. It's insane. And the boxes are huge. And it's like just really clever strategic thinking around how to reach the city. And then they did the shoe drive mm -hmm. and they did like a dunk contest. And it was like they're just – they're really fun at the way that they reach people. And yeah, and I help. think one of the best steps to getting over fear is to step into serving. And yes. when you start serving and, and focusing on other people, helping other people, you forget about yourself and you actually strangely forget about your fears. It's just like, I mean, I, I am a physical specimen of endless injuries and pain. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I am always in pain. But when I'm playing a sport, I don't feel any pain. Hmm. All I'm focused on is the victory. And you do win when you're hurt a lot. So I got whooped last week <laughs> playing pickleball. And, and, Lost every game. and I will tell you, the same way that competition gives me amnesia to my physical pain, serving will give you amnesia to your personal fear and concern. Mm. Okay, I think that with that, we are going to wrap this episode. Thank you so much for the questions. Thank you for the conversation. Thank you for the support on Anchor and listening and watching and 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 donating um, to, to this show, to building this show. We're so grateful. I am really excited about a couple things that are coming from you that are, that are happening in September. You have a new book coming out, Untitled. We're not telling you exactly what it is, but it is coming out, so get ready mm -hmm. for that. If you haven't checked it out, we referred to The Arts and Soul, which is an amazing book written by my dad. We referred to Soul Cravings briefly about intimacy, mm -hmm. meaning, and destiny. If you're ever looking for an Eckhart Tolle Plus book, that is Soul Cravings. Mm -hmm. That'll actually help you, you think and go further. It changed my life 10 years ago when I really didn't believe in God and really didn't love Jesus and definitely didn't like the church. That book really helped me kind of Kept me human, I think, still. So mm. thank you. And I'm excited. We'll see you next Friday. Have good a good Friday. Friday and a great Easter. Great Easter. Right. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Check out that podcast and the, the service.